Yo, good evening, this is... Akira. Good morning, this is... Akira. Good afternoon, this is... Yes, that's right, this is Akira the Dom. Future so bright, gotta wear shades. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, how is everybody? Welcome, welcome to the greatest day to be alive in the history of mankind. This is your friendly neighborhood, Don. Reporting live from the peak of recorded human civilization on this beautiful day to be alive in this incredible year of our Lord, 2018 AD. It's Thursday. It's July the 12th. We are over halfway through the year. There is over half less. In fact, there is less than half of the year left. What are you going to do with that time? How are you doing with regards to what you were trying to do this year? Is it going well? Is it going not well? Do you need to put more work in? Do you need to be more organized? Hmm. I think I do. Akira. I think I've got to go harder. I think I'm going to have to go harder. Oh, my gosh. Shouts out to everybody locked in. Thank you, Jason Callahan, for the super chat. He says, Namast. Yo, by the way, uh, my wife pointed out that I've been mispronouncing Namast for my whole life. It's not Namast. It's Namaste. Yo, or something like that. So thank you, wifey, for uh, educating me and, and, you know, telling me what's up. And apologies to whoever I offended <laughs> by butchering the pronunciation of namaste, which I probably still am. I, to be honest, though, I like namast. Maybe I'll just say namast is my own word. My word is namast, and it means uh, something that I decide. Thank you, Paul Nichols, for the super chat. You bad, bad, bad motherfucker says nice 100. Nice 100, exactly. Jason Callahan had a question, so hell, why not? Let's just get straight into a question. Jason, a.k.a. Synapsion. See, here's one thing, right? I have a lot of people be like, yo, I'm such and such. I'm like a uh, super happy shiny squirrel monkey from YouTube, but you're called Dave, or you're called like nuclear sherbet, or uh, tequila bottle. It's very important in the modern world to get your usernames aligned across all platforms. This is one of the reasons I'm not on Snapchat, because somebody had stolen Akira the Don, right? So, And on there I was, I Akira the Don for a while or something, but it just felt wrong. If I can't be Akira the Don, I, I ain't going to be there, man. That's just what's up. Anyway, Synapsian says, uh, you think Akira considers this a gig or a career? Yo, well, I'll, I'll ask Akira. Yo. The What's cracking? Do you consider this a gig or a career? Well, I'm not entirely sure what the difference is. I guess a gig is like a one-off, right? And a career is, is eternal. And if by this you mean this live stream, or do you mean just the, just the music? I don't know. But if you mean the live stream, I consider the live stream to be an amazing new part of, of the life, the whole life and the career. And, uh, you know, I was doing live streams and stuff a long, long time ago, and it was wonderful, you know, hanging out with all my people and um yeah i'm really happy to be doing it again i'm very glad to be here hanging out with you all it's a beautiful thing i consider it a privilege and a joy to be able to communicate with loads of people all at once every week it's beautiful and on that bombshell i will hereby announce that i'm about to start doing this on a daily basis a different thing but i will be uh live streaming every day for a short amount of time in the morning i will be uh hopping on to say hi and give you the Don Daily Briefing. And the Don Daily Briefing, 
uh, will be, you know, I'll, I'll just be like, yo, what's up? And uh, I'll tell you something cool that's happening in the world. I've started a new thing in the Discord, by the way. You should join the Discord. If you're not in the Discord, join the Discord. But I've started a channel called Good News, in which I want everyone to post good news, whether it's good news from their lives, good news they've read in a newspaper, good news they've seen in some, some statistical Bible or something. I feel that uh, there is a dearth of good news, and we want, but there shouldn't be because this is the best time to be alive in recorded human history, and amazing stuff happens every day. Yet for some reason, most, most places you go, you're just hearing about the bad stuff. I want to hear about the good stuff. So join the Discord, or if you're in the Discord, just add to the Discord and pop in Akira. Some good news in the Good News channel, and I'll be joining you on a daily basis for, for 15 minutes or something in the morning to just, like, deliver some good news and say hi and, uh, and play some music, and it'll be great, okay? So you can look forward to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so... It is indeed a beautiful day to be alive. And we have lots of questions to answer. Thank you very much to Sir Peppers and the Discord for putting them together for me. Appreciate you. Uh, I was very busy today, and I didn't have time to announce this stream on, any, on anywhere. So the people who are here are smart people who uh, saw the community post from earlier in the week or just know this is a regular thing. So shouts out to you all. What up, Rust? What up, Jason? So, Shabbat, 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 ranks. Stephen Atwood wants to know his JPP waves. I started working. It was up a level. I tapped into something magical with that. I feel it was better than anything on the 12 rules for life. So now I've realized that maybe JBP7 is coming, but before JBP7, a new JBP album is coming, as in Akira the Don and, jo and Jordan Peterson, new album. So that means a gang of tracks, like fully realized tracks. This isn't just a mix. This isn't just uh, some music produced by me, some music produced by other people with things woven over the top. This is a, this is a concept album. And it's, the idea is that uh, I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't like sort of spoiling things or whatever, destroying magic. But the idea is this came from my discussions with Rebel Wisdom. And uh, some of the Rebel Wisdom team had seen Jordan recently, and they were kind of disappointed because he, they were, he wasn't moving far ahead enough, fast enough for them, I think, on sort of expanding on certain ideas. But I was like, yo, he's, t he's touring 12 Rules for Life. Most of the people seeing this are, like, hearing these ideas for the first time. What he's doing here is, is, is communicating with the people who haven't heard a lot of stuff before. He's, he's reaching out to, to people with some ideas and with a foundation of moving onto a higher plane of thinking or being or, or consciousness or whatever you might want to call it. And in that regard, I realized my work is not done on the basics. The basics. Some of the basics were in the early JVP wave mixes. Some of them weren't. Some of them were hidden amidst like a 17-minute piece. Some of these ideas need to be big, memorable, catchy, powerful, useful pop songs that burrow into the psyche of every man, woman, and child and do their work. So that's what I'm doing right now. Akira. It's going very well. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me in the studio working on these things behind the scenes and you get some sneak previews. But uh, yeah, that's coming along very, very, very soon. Very, very soon. It's going great. Jason Callahan wants to know, what is the intellectual dark wave? Well, the intellectual dark wave is another project and that is a project about the intellectual dark web. And it's going to be very, very cool and, uh, and dark. So there. Uh, 
Paul Renee Nichols, his wishes do go hard, though. Yeah, exactly, right? Thank you. I'm trying to... I'm trying to... D3MCC says wishes were dope, too. Yeah, that's it. I'm trying to be great. I'm trying to really, really do amazing shit, and I'm trying to get better and better every time. And the idea is that one of these tracks is going to be so good and so useful and so resonant that it shifts the culture and is a number one international global phenomenon. So, you know, we ain't messing about over here in Don Studios. We're trying to do useful, big stuff. What up? SZQ says, oh, I didn't even know about Ask Akira. Well, now you do. Ask Akira is here. SZQ is asking if I was going to be, when the, the donator names in the live chat were going to be updated. I've started doing that, you'll notice. So that's cool. And I need to do that more regularly, so I will. Yes, 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 yes. YouTube Hero Alex. Shaz as you, YouTube Hero Alex is one of the mighty mods. YouTube Hero Alex also chopped up some of uh, last week's stream into small chunks, which I've been distributing via Instagram and stuff, and that was incredibly useful. Thank you for that. I hope you can do that again, or someone can. Anyone who wants to help out with making this whole thing just sort of bigger and better, please hit me up via the Discord. There's loads more stuff I'd love to do, and I just don't have time. And with, with you guys' help, I'm able to do stuff and become more efficient, so... The more people who want to help with stuff, whether that's like editing videos, chopping clips out, uh, mod, moderating, anything. I'm setting up a second YouTube uh, channel, a second Akira the Dawn channel for uh, stuff that doesn't fit on the main channel. And also, I have uh, re-established the podcast stream. So if you like listening to things on podcasts, if you search Akira the Dawn on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, you'll find the Akira the Dawn podcast is back, 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 back. And uh, these Ask Akira's are part of that. There will also be interviews, me sitting down talking with people. I recorded one of those this week. So, yeah, lots of that stuff is going on. R01 says, man, your weights and Cohen were amazing. You should do some more of that if you get some time. I'd love to. I love both of those very much. And, yes, I do want to do more of those. So, again, it's like time. So, anyone wants to help out with anything, hit me up. Because the more, the more people help with stuff, the more time I have to make amazing new music and the quicker we can get stuff out. Ideally, I'll be releasing an album every week. Basically, that's what I want to be doing. That's the level I want to be at. And I think that's achievable. My head works in that speed. So, yeah. For that to happen, I need like lots of people helping with stuff. And that includes things like mixing and mastering and stuff like that. So, But we're getting there. And I'm meeting loads of people all the time right now and it's who want to help with things. And people already have been. It's really amazing. I'm very, very grateful to all of you Pa Reach says, I love your work. Wicked. Yo, thank you for being here. Akira. Yankee Level 100 says, we're going to get another Joe Rogan wave. Hell yeah, of course we are. Hell yeah, of course we are. Uh, I really need, I'd like to get in touch with Rogan to get him, his, uh, to get his blessing and to get his permission to put, I don't want to hear that on Spotify and on the Meaning Wave project. So if anyone, anyone knows anyone over that way, hit me up. Uh, I've been putting stuff on Spotify as requested, by the way. Spotify this week. Jesus Christ, I put two albums on Spotify this week. The Terrence McKenna album went up, and Goldtron 3 went up. I'm putting out so much stuff, I haven't even had time to really promo Goldtron 3. I haven't even had time to put an Instagram post. Oh my God. Holy cow, it's ridiculous. But Goldtron 3 is out. It's on Spotify, and Apple is great. The Terrence McKenna record's out. It's great. Uh, and Alan Watts' single is on Spotify, and it's actually doing very well. It's done 20,000 streams in the past couple of weeks i think so that's amazing luke bostwick says you should go on jre i agree i agree i think that's a great idea 
I think you're smart. I think your ancestors are probably pretty proud of you for being so smart. And I think you get this button. Fuck off. Yes. Yes, you do. Farhead Iqbal says, can you expand on chaos magic? Oh, because we were talking about chaos magic last week. Well, well, um, a larger conversation about this will be had with an authority on the subject when he's next in Los Angeles, which I believe is quite soon. That would be Dr. Dr. Grant Morrison, who is uh, we need back in the in the conversation in a larger way. So I'm going to I'm going to facilitate that. But anyway, chaos magic for me, because I you know I'm not any kind of authority. It's the art. You know, actually, this is a little like what Hunter S. Thompson used to say: politics is the art of controlling your environment. Environment. Chaos magic is the art of affecting. And you couldn't say controlling because control is impossible, hence the chaos, but affecting your reality in a, in a conscious and deliberate way. And whether that's like the direction your life is going or things that are happening in your life, like specific things like people you want to meet or a girlfriend you might want to have or, or whatever it is, it's, it's a way of, of doing that. And one of the ways it works is by kind of hacking your subconscious the subconscious isn't understood that well. Lots of people have theories on it. Young, obviously, thought a lot about it. Uh, the, you know, yeah, we, we still don't understand it that well in a scientific fashion, but we do seem to know, certainly anecdotally, that it can be hacked and that it can then affect the day-to-day. -day. I mean, I've just definitely, definitely seen this. So the idea, one of the other things you can do with chaos magic is kind of... Uh, implant things in your subconscious and then that way your subconscious is is acting to make these things come around and you, maybe you think about this on a practical level say you've you've subconsciously got the idea in yourself that you want to go out with a girl with red hair you will subconsciously start taking actions that make this more likely to happen say okay say in a practical way say you know you wanted to be a say you wanted to be a astronaut and you'd you'd program this into yourself at a subconscious level using some chaos magic trick or whatever which we can talk about in a bit what will happen is that you'll be going around in your life and and subconsciously you'll be doing things that will be more likely for this to happen so you'll be paying attention to things more you'll be taking the path whether that literally means taking a path like turning left when you might have turned right and that means that you bump into someone useful or something or whether that means that you uh take the right actions or do the right exercise or eat the right foods or whatever it is, it's like you're going to be more likely to be doing things to make that stuff happen if consciously and subconsciously this is your goal. So that's, part, that's a part of it. So then it's another part of it is then, is then programming, program reality. And this can be done en masse, and this is something we saw a couple of years ago with the whole... Uh, explosion of deliberate meme magic in the kekosphere, which could be seen as a kind of deliberate online controlled chaos magic hypersigil experiment in which uh, memetics were weaponized for a specific purpose. And we've been seeing that a lot. And some of the earlier pro pro like examples of this were, were things undertaken by 4chan mass sort of actions or experiments or whatever. And we've seen these things be very, very effective. Akira. Akira. Yes. Yes. 
R01 says, Scott Adams' definition of meme magic is pretty good too, which is basically the same. Okay, well, there you go. Well, Scott Adams would say, Scott Adams is a believer in the idea that we are living in a simulation. Okay, and, you know, this is, Elon Musk believes this also. And this is a good thing to believe in a way, because if you believe this is a simulation, then you will believe that there are, kind of, there are rules, and there is a logic behind the setup, and then you'll believe that, well, that means it's, it's hackable. And if there are rules, they can be broken or hacked. So therefore, if we're living in a simulation, and the, and the very basic idea of that is that any advanced society would work out how to create a digital simulation of itself. And we're getting quite close to that with ourselves. So therefore, if a society lives long enough without destroying itself to create a digital copy of itself, then that digital copy would therefore do the same. And the digital copy of the digital copy would do the same. And then now that for, that for suggests that the likelihood of us being the original version is actually very low. So we could, so that the, the, the idea is therefore that we're more likely to be living in a simulation than not. And if we're living in a simulation, that means it has rules and they can be hacked. So therefore, something like chaos magic would just be like just practical scientific. You could therefore hack the code and spread ideas or change the reality or whatever it is. The Matrix is, is, you know, a consistent, useful uh, metaphor for this. You know, once you, you, oh, okay, so you can bend a spoon, all that type of shit. That's why The Matrix has been so uh, just popular, so eternally useful and popular in the culture. And uh, this is why Grant Morrison is going to be useful in the next stage, because Grant Morrison, of course, wrote The Invisibles, which was the blueprint for The Matrix, but a lot of Grant Morrison's better ideas have yet to be sort of put in the public sphere. Is that a huge amount of the populace is now ready for a lot of the bigger ideas because it's been primed over the past decade or so with some of the basics. And once you have the basics, you can build on the basics. This is why I was saying it's kind of important for us to not r rush ahead of ourselves with relation to a lot of the ideas that are coming out right now. It's, it's important that you know, we're together on this. If we're going to march forward into this brave new world and we're going to phase shift into the future, we need to do it together. So if a few of us are like, oh, well, we're smart, we're enlightened, screw everyone else, they can hang around Walmart. Like, that's, that's wrong because we're not going to make it alone. We need, we need as many of us as possible together. So that means that we need to bring everyone up to speed who's not up to speed or as many people up to speed as possible. And then we can, uh, yeah, we can go forth and be mighty. Literally, Dale says, this dude is a lot more thoughtful than I thought. <laughs> SEQ says, memes are very popular for young people. I believe we're really influenced by memes. You are very, very right. Memes are way more influential than we even realize. And if you're born after 1990, you know the power of memes. You know it. You just know that to be factual. Like, if you were born after 1990, you're aware that it's completely possible to come up with an idea and that idea that idea to affect a massive part of the populace. A great example of this is uh, Filthy Frank <laughs> or Joji or whatever you want to call him. Look at Joji. Joji's now like a, a sweet R&B pop star. He used to be Filthy Frank. He used to be uh, an avatar for all that is trollish and, and edgelordy on the internet. And now he's a sweet, sweet R&B crooner. This is a guy who really understands the power of memetics, and he has weaponized memetics for many, many years. And uh, like, this is something that 
people who were born after 1990 just know to be real and true. People born before then, some of them have a kind of resistance. This is another thing that Scott Adams talks about, that to, to truly understand the power of persuasion or memetics or whatever, you have to realize that people are programmable to an extent. So he has a kind of Sam Harrisian, almost nihilistic view of it, which I do not fully share which is that there is no such thing as free will at all, and people are just completely programmable robots. I think this is something he adopts to make it easy to spread his message and make it easy to practice uh, persuasion. Because if you just believe point blank that people have no free will whatsoever and they're completely programmable robots, then it's way easier to program them. Because you're not thinking, oh, they might not respond to this. You're thinking, yes, they definitely will, because I know the, fu I know the code and I can input it. Theo Johnson, race to the top and bring everyone you can. Indeed. Let us do that. Let us do that. Michael Craighead says, when did you make the plunge into investing all your time towards your own business endeavors? Yo, that is an excellent question. And uh, the short answer is not soon enough. It's not soon enough. Even though I was, I mean, I've been doing, uh, I've been, I've been in full time making music really since late 2004, I quit my last job and uh, went to America and got a record deal. Just like that. It was literally what happened. I, I rang up my bank. I kind of, the woman who was from Birmingham, I, I, I lived in Birmingham. We had shared affinity, which is a persuasion thing. And, and she uh, lent me, she got the bank to lend me some money, which they were in no, no they shouldn't have because I, I was in no position to be lent money at that point, but they did. And I got a plane ticket to America, and I ran around America for a couple of weeks with a He-Man sword with a microphone in it. And after a couple of weeks, I had a record deal with the biggest uh, record company in the world. Because uh, I was operating in an incredible flow state at that point. I'd, kind of, I'd quit my band, taught myself to make beats, made an album, all in the space of about a month, and then gone to America and... and uh, I was really, really in flow at that point. It was incredible. But I wasn't, I was sort of young and I didn't know what, what I was doing and I didn't know what was going on. And, uh, <laughs> and I allowed myself to be deviate, to deviate from the path in some ways. I was also, while I was creating a brand new, brand new business model, I was inventing the contemporary internet and stuff at that point. Um, I didn't really, I was still a little sort of entranced by the idea of the old media. I was excited about the idea of being on a big record label and doing traditional promo and that stuff. So, uh, right n like now, I know I've I've learned all the lessons, and now I, I I've I've I'm able to build a, a business and see it as a business. I didn't before. Before I was also a f I was infected with a sort of social sorry a, a socialist ideology from from my parents and my working class upbringing that equated money with evil. So at one point, Coca Cola wanted to use one of my songs, and. Um, I was like, hell no. Just at the instant the idea was, was brought up, I was like, hell no, that's disgusting and evil. When it's really that was silly because I could have taken that money and put it into something useful, into creating abundant, more abundance in the world and more use because the money exists and it's not like it's not going somewhere. And it's not like... Anyway, there's basically the, the answer to this is over the years, over very many years, I kind of deprogrammed the bad ideas out of myself and I finally got to the point relatively recently where, where the bad programming is gone. I now understand various things, one of which is that money is not inherently evil. It's a form of energy like anything else, and it can be used for good or evil. 
so we should be using it for good. This is a little like when I used to think I shouldn't have a kid because it was an evil world, and then someone pointed out to me that if the good people do not have children, then we're screwed. So now it's like, oh, yeah, if you're, if you're smart in any way, you should have kids and raise kids who are better than you, and then you save, that's how you save the future. Same with money. You know, you could leave, if you think evil people are controlling all the money, then you should control the money and not be evil. Duh. Shouts out to Elon Musk, real life Tony Stark out there, by the way. I was talking with Comic Book Girl 19 earlier about this, who pointed out that he's getting a lot of shit on Twitter from idiots right now, like, billionaires are evil and you don't have a right to try and help people just because you're a billionaire, you, you disgust me, all this weird shit. It's like, if you want to create a supervillain, that's how you do it, right? You get a guy who's massively powerful and rich and has a load of advanced technology. If you convince him that humanity is a bunch of assholes and doesn't deserve saving, then you've created a supervillain. Be careful. Uh, shouts out to Sergeant Schultz Bear. Thank you for the super chat. That's awesome. I appreciate you. Says, hey, I love your JBP mixes. His voice is soothing as hell, right? Also, just took some shrooms for the first time in my barracks room. Barracks room. What do? Peak should be hitting in about 20 minutes. Holy shit. Well, thank you. First off, congratulations. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the psychedelic experience. You will never be the same. You are now aware or about to be aware of an aspect of reality that previously you weren't. Perhaps previously you hypothesized it. Perhaps previously you'd read some books that suggested it existed. But very soon you will know for certain that there is more to your regular perception of reality. And that's a wonderful thing. So just enjoy it. Relax. Breathe. Remember to breathe. Remember that you are loved, remember that it is a beautiful, infinite universe, and you have a very important part to play in it, and this is going to become ever more apparent. And we're all here for you, if you're hanging around in, in the Akira the Taunt chat while this is going on, please update us on your progress. Uh, you will see swirly serpents in the corners, you just always do. There's various reasons for that, perhaps, and very significant, but do not think any of it is bad, because it isn't, and do not think of any of it is scary, because it isn't. Remember that fear is the mind killer. Remember that you're in control of yourself. You have sovereignty. You're a bad motherfucker. We appreciate you. And we love you. And this applause is for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dane Singh said, The memory fluidity is a hard one. Do we have examples of, ex do we have examples of fake memory implants yet? Or is it something we have to organize within our own lives? Well, oh, and there's a follow-up to that. It says, because experiments with DMT and LSD have shown me how memory is fluid, but it seems to have to require doing it yourself, like consensual memory deletes or rewriting of the old files. I, in my experience, I'm, I, I'm aware that we do create memories to an extent sometimes, and they, they're also our memories. You could have two people who are in the exact same position, saw the exact same thing, and their memory of it will be completely different. We know this to be true. Experiments have shown this to be true. Experiments with people who've been at a crime scene, people who've witnessed uh, a traumatic event, like a murder or something. People have completely different recollections on, on quite specific details. We also know that everything you've ever witnessed is in there and is accessible somehow. Some people do it via hypnotherapy or whatever. But like, and literally everything you've ever witnessed, like the tiniest detail of the corner of the room you were in for three seconds in 1993. Everything is there. And I think we're going to unlock a lot of this stuff in our lifetimes. And 
That's exciting. I also think what we're going to unlock in our lifetimes is access to everybody else's stuff, which means all your memories will be accessible by us. This is a bit like how, you know, we, we're all putting stuff on the Internet now, so suddenly we will have access to each other's, I don't know, video collections or whatever it is. That's how I can watch Norm MacDonald on The View in 1990 saying that Bill Clinton murdered people. <laughs> You can just watch that stuff now. You couldn't before. I think we're going to have access to everybody's everything at some point in, in the not-too-distant future, which is, like, the repercussions of this, it's, it's, we don't know. But I personally think they're incredible and going to be great, and they mean we, we're, going to, we're going to advance in a wonderful fashion. So I'm excited about all this stuff. Alessa Alexandra, hello, says, ever considered holding a gig in Romania? I would love to play Romania. I would love to, I would love to, I would love to. I, I, have, I have blood in that part of the world, and I have a longing to go there. This is one of those book him and they will come situations. If anyone knows anyone in Romania who wants to book me, holler, or if anyone's having any festivals, I should play, whatever it is. But I would really, yeah, I really want to play a lot more places. I want to play all over the world. I want to play all over America. I want to play everywhere. So anyone who has connections in that realm, then I, I very much want to, want to, want to, want to do it. So yeah, yeah. And by the way, I am getting messages from people who are taking psychedelics and listening to my music every day at the moment. And remember a few months ago, I was saying, you know, this is the dawn of this new psychedelic era. We're passing into that. At that point, I wasn't getting those messages, and I really, as many even close. Now I'm getting it every day. It's amazing how quickly things take hold. And by the way, I'm not saying here that this is anything to do with me saying it. Uh, I think I'm good at intuiting these things at a relatively early stage. I always have been. How, how much we influence and how much we're, we're aware of stuff is, is very much to be debated. This is why, I mean, there is, you know, there is a huge potential for influence, though. This is why you should use your powers for good. I told a story this week on a podcast, and I mentioned it on Twitter, how anyone who doubts the power of music to deliberately, or the deliberate use of music to deliberately alter the world, anyone who doubts that has never been in a club DJing and deliberately played DMX and MOP back-to-back. Because when you do that, (laughs) you will see violence erupts. And it literally works, like, every time. Especially, I mean, you know, you, if you're a good DJ and you can control the, uh, the BPM so it kind of b- builds up a little bit and then maybe you can add some, like, risery sort of sound and you can just crank the filter a little bit so it really raises the drama. But if you move from DMX, uh, say, Party Up In Here, it's a very aggressive and joyful record, and you can pull out at the chorus and people, everyone in the club will shout along. This, even if there's, like, three people there, they'll all do it, Right? So if you do that and then you move into MOP, say anti-up, if you do that, people will start fighting. Literally always happens. Like, some, like or someone will headbutt someone accidentally or someone will just punch someone without thinking. Or, that will happen, right? This, I've done it on many occasions and it always works. It's hilarious. And it really is an example of how someone, I mentioned this on Twitter and a few people were aghast. They were like, Akira, you should use your powers for good. Yes, you should use your powers for good. But it's important. This is one of those, uh, you should be a monster. You should know the capacity for mayhem you have. You should know whatever superpowers you have, whatever powers you've amassed over the years of training. You should know how they can work negatively and positively. And you should be able to do both. And then you should choose to do do good where you can.
<laughs> but, you know, music is definitely, like, completely viscerally powerful. And you can, once you know how it works, you can definitely deliberately do it. Like, I can definitely make people uh, make out. I've done that. You can do that. You can make people, I can make people, like, go have babies. Like, definitely, you play the right sequence of music at the end of a night, people are going to go home and they're going to make babies. Like, and the more people are, the uh, the chance of those babies actually coming out is higher. You know, so if DJs all decided, right, you know, we need to uh, up the population right now, you could, DJs as a community could increase the population, like, instantly. You could definitely do that. Anyway. Short burst says, your reality tunnel is very large, Akira the Don. Thank you very much. I like, to, I like to think of it as a Byzantine conduit. And we all have our own Byzantine conduit, and they're very, very different. They're full of very, very different things. And it's one of the reasons we all have our part to play. Now, Shite Mang says, you live in L.A.? Can you stream Snipe Ice Poseidon's house? Well, half of that conversation I didn't understand, so you'll have to illuminate me more. If anyone wants to illuminate me more, you should join the Discord. The link is in the description, or if you just uh, go to my YouTube channel, you can find it in the description of a video or on the website or whatever. Join the Discord channel. You can DM me there. You can group chat, whatever. Dane Singh says, the waves are great ways to reprogram negative thought loops and grooves in the brain. Yes, they are. Thank you. That's one of the reasons I make the waves. and Partly the reason I was partly to make them for myself, to reprogram negative things in myself. Who just said this in the chat? Because this is something I do. Uh, Dane says, my brain auto plays. I don't want to hear that shit. Which is uh, a song I did sampling Joe Rogan. Which is about negative people who, you know... I don't want uh, I can't catch a break, people. Those people are always like, oh, nothing goes right for me. I can't catch a break. Everything's against me. The world's against me. Those sorts of people. The song is about that. Dane Singh says, my brain auto-plays. I don't want to hear that shit. When I'm presented by people or thoughts that make me want to feel sorry for myself or seeing someone else feeling sorry for themselves. Exactly. Me too. It happens to me too. That song's now in my head, in my sort of subconscious, in a chaos magical fashion, almost. Just there, it just pops up. It's like I've programmed Rogan as one of the devil angels on my shoulder, and he pops up and says, Yo, oi, if, I, if ever I'm doing that, if ever I find myself doing that, he pops up. Do you know what else pops up a lot for me is Jocko. Jocko Willink has become one of my permanent angels, which is a wonderful thing to have Jocko as an angel. It's like, thank you, Jocko, for being my angel, but he is. Like Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life, he just pops up and goes, Good. Good. If like something's fucked up, it's like, oh man, this is bullshit. Something's fucked up, and he's like, good. And you're like, oh yeah, good, good, right. There, this is true. The negative is a is a potential for learning here. There's a potential for me to get stronger. Thank you. And then you're like, thank you for this adversity. Thank you for for uh, this suffering. I'm working on this Dune project with Comic Book Girl 19 at the moment, and she was reading some quotes. And there's one quote which is something along the lines of, I can't, I'm I'm I'll, I'm paraphrasing, but. There needs to be a school for suffering, like a school for adversity where... And because some people don't get enough of it, and you actually want a lot of it. Like, I'm very lucky to have been poor and working class because I've had lots of adversity. I'm very lucky that I was homeless. I'm very lucky that, uh, that I was sort of strange in my youth, and that, that meant that I got in fights every day of my life from the age of, like, seven to 19. Like, these things actually were very, very useful afterwards.
they created a much better me. Without them, I, I would be less me. So it's like, yeah, we, we, want, we need more suffering and adversity. And uh, we need angels like Jocko and Rogan in our lives, pointing out to us when, reminding us of these things. So thank you to my angels. And uh, shouts out to you lot. And what I'm doing here with this music is sharing my angels with you. Jason Callahan says Jocko was on the History of Fire podcast number 33. Thank you for that tip. Apparently Jocko's podcast this week is harrowing. So I'm scared of that. But Jocko's very good. Jocko Willink. Navy SEAL Jocko Willink. Bad motherfucker Jocko Willink. He's one of these people who's good at making you confront the darkness of the world. I recently did a song sampling Scott Adams which puts forward Norm MacDonald's proposition that most people think that life is a battle between good and evil when in fact it is a battle between good and good. And what he means by that is most people who are committing evil think they're doing good. So everyone thinks they're doing good. Right now you can see this because you have a whole load of the sort of extreme left think they're being righteous, but they're fighting for some stuff that the previous generation with their same kind of seemingly same ideology would have thought was evil. That like there's people out there who are actively trying to thinks free speech is a bad thing <laughs> and they're trying to quash that they're trying to destroy that they have become the thing that their their, their parents sought to fought to fight against but they think that they're, they're good they think they're fighting for justice when in fact they are they're doing some quite evil things some really like you know dictionary definition evil stuff but they think they're doing good you know, anyway, uh, and then a lot of people hit me up and they're like, yeah, I love you, Don, but, you know, there is evil in the world. It is good versus evil. Like, you know, you've listened to Jocko. You know that. I, I am a, This is true, and I can hold both positions at the same time. I, there is definitely evil in the world. There is true, true evil. There is true malevolence. There is true horror. People go out there and deliberately do evil things. This is true. But at the same time, I would say most people think they're doing, when they're doing evil, they think they're doing it for good. And they think they're good. Most people think they're good. You know, it's very difficult to, walk, to, to turn yourself into such a psychopath that you deliberately do evil things happily. Like, you know, that's one of the th- reasons I have uh, just a continued optimism for humanity because most people, if shown, will do things, will do the, will do the good thing, that would want to be good. Right, So if we can create a situation where being good is the easiest thing for people to do, then they will definitely, definitely do it. And I think we can do that. So there. Short bus says monsters are real. Yeah, this is true. This is very true. You, if you live in the world for long enough, you know that you just know this to be factual. Because you'll find them. You'll see them. You'll have to fight them. If you keep your eyes open, you will have to fight them. Short bus says Jocko is a monster who does good. Exactly that. Exactly that. Jocko is a man who is fully aware of his capacity for mayhem and carnage, who's, who's been out there and done, done it, and uh, chooses, chooses to do good in the world. Chooses to do good in the world. You know, Billy Bragg, who was one of, the, uh, one of my young sort of socialist brainwashers, I was brainwashed by Billy Bragg at an early age into thinking that, that money was evil and uh, that sort of thing. But Billy Bragg had a line which always always stuck out to me, which was, virtue never tested is no virtue at all. And this, but, but one way of thinking about this is, you know, you can sit there with a bunch of principles, but if you've never really had to stand up for them, then what are you? Hunter S. Thompson said, you're a whole different person when you're scared. And he used to do this shit. If he would have a new friend, he did this with Warren Zevon, who wrote a song about it. And he would do a thing... 
if you you got a new friend, it's like, okay, I like this person. He's cool. But, like, can I, tr- can I rely on this person in a, a situation? If, if it all goes to shit, will I be able to rely on this person? So Hunter S. Thompson would engineer some fucked up situation to terrify the living shit out of this person and, and see what kind of a man they really were. So he would do things like uh, throw firecrackers into someone's house or, like, shoot the place up or have someone or set off explosions or whatever it was and see what people did. One time <laughs> he was he lurked in the bushes outside uh what's his name? Clocker oh flip, have I forgotten his name? The Shining. Here's Johnny. Forgotten this man's name. Jesus Christ, I need I need some nutrigens. Anyway, a famous actor who starred in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and The Shining and has arched eyebrows and is a magnificent actor and something of a deviant. You all know who I'm talking about. Anyway, Hunter S. Thompson hid outside his house in the bushes throwing firecrackers and things just to see what he would do, to see if he could continue being friends with him. He, scared, he deliberately created a situation where uh, I think it was like fake burglars came in the house and shot the place up when he was with Warren Zevon to see how Warren Zevon would react. And apparently Warren Zevon did very well and he kind of like sort of, you know... A, stood up from them or attacked them or something. I can't remember exactly. But you are a whole different person when you're scared. And virtue never tested is no virtue at all. And you should be a monster. And uh, sitting around on Twitter, like, um, virtue signaling about how you, you like all the right things and dislike the right things is, isn't, isn't, just isn't helpful or useful. It's not helpful or useful. I realized I was blocked on Twitter the other day by... Someone I like very much. And I think it might be because I follow Ethan Van Skyver, who, who followed me today. I was happy about that. Ethan Van Skyver, I think, is, is doing good stuff in the world. A lot of people, are, he's getting, a lot of people call, him a, call him a Nazi and stuff. He's a comic book artist um, who is kind of quite vocally against the whole sort of virtue signaling sort of culture. And that's basically what he's done. In, in a comic book industry that's like... That's not the done thing, and it's not, it's not um, cool, it's not acceptable. You will get thrown out. You will literally get thrown out. You will get no work if you don't espouse uh, a very specific sort of ideology, which is a stupid, dangerous and stupid position to be in. And he kind of went out on, put himself out there on the line, and, and he's doing very well. He illustrated Jordan Peterson's book, by the way. You might know him from that. Jordan Peterson, who famously told Joe Rogan that he'd learned how to monetize SJWs, and Ethan Van Skyver says the same thing. You shouldn't put yourself in a position where you're monetizable. You know, like... Anyway, Luke Bostwick points out, Alan Watts said, goody-goodies are the thieves of virtue. And he's completely correct. I, I used this in one of my Alan Watts mixes. I did a whole section on that, and I think I'm going to turn it into a single because it's very important. Virtue is a dangerous thing. Anyone who thinks they're virtuous, you think you're super virtuous, you're probably not. History will tell us this. Because the people who do the most messed up things do it because they think they're super virtuous. That's how you get someone to do a really dark thing. Well, that's how you get someone, a lot of people to do a dark thing. You convince them that it's virtuous. This, we've seen this throughout history. We should know this shit by now. Any time like, a large amount of people think they're super virtuous, you, be, you should be scared as hell of those people because they're ready to do something really dark. They're really ready to do something dark. I saw someone the other day uh, suggesting that rather than, rather than celebrating July 4th, we should, have a, we should draw up a big list and make our own Nuremberg trial list of those who come, come the revolution or whatever will be culled. 
And he meant this quite seriously. It's basically anyone who was outside of the sort of uh, radical left ideological framework. He really meant that these people should be, should be like, culled, sort of destroyed, killed, uh, lose their jobs, all that sort of thing. People actually think this. That's scary. You know what I mean? Imagine, like, I don't know. I don't think that about anybody. I don't want to kill anybody. I don't have hate in my heart for a single human. I want us all to, to advance together into the glorious golden epoch that is dawning. Or everyone, including these, these, these weirdos including these, these ideologically possessed souls. I want them to be cured of their ideological possession. And like, like in movies when zombies suddenly aren't zombies anymore, or in Lord of the Rings when, what's his face, that king is no longer possessed by Saruman and sort of like regains his, his natural glow. I want, I want that for everybody. You know what I mean? And I think that's another good way of spotting, like, spotting people who are kind of like messed up and to be treated carefully. Is anyone who has true hate in their heart and wants someone to die or something? You know what I mean? Anyone who's like really, really has hate in their heart, even for a truly evil person. You know what I mean? Like, because allowing yourself to be infected with their stuff, you know, that's stupid and dangerous. And then you become ineffective in the war if you allow yourself to be infected by the enemy in that fashion. This was another thing I read in the comic book Girl 19 was saying in June. She's like, people become the worst aspect of their enemies. And you really see this. Everyone who really hates Trump and has hated him for two years, they're all becoming like what they said he was or the worst aspects of what they said he was. They're all exhibiting those traits. It's really, really interesting and a bit creepy. Anyway. Akira. I should answer a question. I haven't answered a question for a while and we've only got 15 minutes left. (laughs) What's cracking, everybody? This is Akira. This is the Akira the Don podcast. This is the best day to be alive in recorded human history. Jason Callahan says, what do you do when you have to interact with an infected person? Oh, this is a great question. I should think about it a lot more before answering it with any kind of depth. So please present it next week, and I'll think about it a lot harder. But what I tend to do is establish a common ground so, you know, because the default setting of an infected person is that they think anyone who's not infected like them is evil. So the first thing you do is you, you identify a common ground that, that shows that you're both, both good people. You know, you both want the same. You both love your, love every, your parents. You both, uh, you know, you want good for the world or whatever. And you kind of, so you start from that basis. That's one thing to do. And you establish it in such a fashion that it's kind of, they know that. They know it. They know that it is true that you are both humans and you both have love in your heart. So then, when perhaps you, you, you uh, commit to a position that's against their ideology, this will create a kind of confusion in them because it's like, hang on, how can this person be a good person and like these things that I like but also think that? So that, that's one thing. Uh, another thing to do, if this is an online thing, I would say uh, do not engage because you can't change people's minds in online arguments. I've never seen it happen. Like, literally never seen it happen. So the only way of engaging is if, this, if you're trying to sort of, like, show something to... Show, show bravery of some kind, perhaps, and inspire people. That's one reason to engage. But most of the time, it's just a waste of time. And, and uh, you know, what was it Jay-Z said? Be careful with who you um, argue, because fools from a distance can't tell who's who. I can't remember the full rap. I just butchered that. 
but you know. So uh, the old block and ban is good, it's useful, it honestly is. You don't need to be engaging in low-level uh, debates with ideologically possessed people who are not about to change their mind and think that you're the second coming of Adolf Hitler uh, because you, you divert from their tiny, tiny little Overson window of what is, what is acceptable in the world. Um, so, yeah. And you have no... You also don't need to follow people, by the way, on social media who make you feel bad. Like, if people are retweeting lots of stuff that just makes you feel bad or retweeting lots of negativity or whatever it is, you don't need to follow them. You don't have to follow them, even if they're your friends and family, even if it's your mother. Like, you don't have to allow that in your life. And if it's not, at make, if it's not adding or making anything good, you just don't. I haven't followed, I haven't followed like, 8,000 people on Twitter. And I, on Twitter, I have a very, very small like, list of people I follow, and it's, most, it's pretty much people who inspire me in some way or I find useful or whatever. There's people I really, really like who I don't follow on Twitter because it doesn't fit into what I want to experience in that, in that when I switch on that particular app. I, wa I want it to be like a kind of school because it really can be. Twitter is really great. You can literally just follow people that you want to learn from, and if you do that, then you're learning every time you open the app, whereas if you're following people because you feel obliged or whatever, you'll be getting their little sicknesses in you, and, it, and it, over time, that can really, really affect you. That can really, like, poison your core, you know? So there. Um, Spacefish says, if you went to a bar, what is your drink of choice? Well, right now, it's uh, water again. Um, right now, because I'm I'm having a little I'm having a break from drinking again. I got too drunk on Saturday. Frankly, I didn't drink for like a whole year because you know I DJ, I'm in nightlife, right? And there's booze everywhere. It's booze all over the place. You could very quickly, but like most DJs I know are functioning alcoholics. It's a uh, it's it's a, a potential danger of the job. And also, you know, there's, there's the whole thing of if you're DJing to a load of pissed people. It's kind of helpful to be on their level in a way. So if you're a bit drunk or whatever, you can actually, like, you can get in their zone a lot easier on that sort of psychic level. You really can. Like, a couple of drinks really puts you in, in, in the mindset of your audience in a way that it's a lot more difficult if you don't have that. But, um, so I, I didn't drink for a long time, and I got, like, Matrix-level good at DJing as a result of doing that. I could, like, I'd be, like flick my finger and watch the air reverberate to the other side of the room, I'd be like, this girl is going to start twitching her ass eight centimeters lower, five, four, three, two, pum, and it would happen. And then I, I started reintroducing booze, and I, I immediately found I had, like, one shot or something. I had, like, one or two shots, and I'd suddenly be getting tipped way more, like, because I was getting onto their level a bit. People were chucking $100 bills at me. It was crazy. But uh, then Saturday, I kind of I got a bit too drunk, so it was really, really hot, and they didn't have any water, and I ended up just drinking too much booze too quickly, and I just got too, more drunk than I would like to be. And I've got far too much shit to do to be having hangovers, like far too much shit to do. So the answer to your question, my friend, is if, uh, if I was going to have a drink at a bar, this week it would be water. Last week it would have been tequila. And uh, 10 years ago it would have been whiskey. 15, 13 years ago it would have been bourbon. I was a goddamn monster for bourbon, and I would get in fights with security guards almost every night. And I would, I was a fucking monster. I was an absolute monster. And I had a lot of fun, and I had some incredible experiences, and I have, the, I have enough stories to host one of those podcasts that tells stories about being fucked up for a, a long time. So that's good. 
But right now, I've got work to do, baby. And we've got to, I've got to get even more serious. All right, I've been serious. Someone, oh, this was a question I didn't finish asking. So, yeah, I really, really knuckled down to turning this music thing into a business. A business with my wife. Me and my wife, who, without whom I wouldn't have been able to do this at all. And she's, like, a massive part of why we're successful right now. Like, uh, like a fundamental part. Uh, and she's very good at sort of structure and systems and thinking bigger picture. And I was always good at existing in the now and being intuitive. And she's helped us as a family put this thing into a business that not only can be intuitive and exist in the now, but also has goals, can look ahead, uh, can set up systems to achieve those, those things. So really, it's only been since February, I reckon. February is when I was like, all right, we're going three times a week. So we're, we're doing this, we're doing that. Uh, late, so last year, we were really trying to think of it more as a business and really trying to bring it together. But we didn't get super serious till February. And, you know, we crossed 20,000 subs on YouTube this week. We had 4,000 in February. So what does that tell you? You know, and uh, we're about to go even harder. So we're going for 100K by 2019, just in a YouTube fashion. And uh, Yeah. So here's the thing, right? If I'd thought, of thought to be serious a lot earlier, imagine where we would be now. So, you know, if you're out there, if you have any doubts about creating, um, creating a system around what you're doing and, and making it a real thing and putting some goals in place and looking six months ahead and looking five years ahead, just do it right now. Do it, do it, do it. But also, as I always say, don't wait around to start doing a thing until you've got those things in place. Just start. Just start. So there you go. Love you all. Very appreciative of you Short bus. This is a good question. He says, you mentioned Jocko and Rogan. Are your angels? Who are some of your devils? Who tempts you? Who are your devils? Ooh. Well, Tom Waits and Charles Bukowski are a couple of my devils, I would say. Certainly Bukowski. Bukowski, you know, was a drunk and he really made being a drunk seem like the most beautiful romantic thing. I always talk about this, but I really love his book, Hot Water Music, uh, which is a collection of his short stories, most of which were written in Los Angeles, about Los Angeles, and from the perspective of him, or various analogues of him, hanging out in bars in Los Angeles, getting drunk, getting into trouble of some kind, whether it's with women or fights or betting or whatever the hell it is. And the idea of, you know, just going out there on your own and going to a bar and getting drunk and having an adventure is something that's always been very strong with me. And it's something I spent, you know, I left home just before I was 16 and I launched myself into that world, the world of, of dangerous, intoxicated adventure. I was also, I was reading lots of Hunter S. Thompson, right? That, like Hunter S. Thompson and Tom Waits and, and Charles Bukowski were, were, were idols to me in a, in a regard of turning your life into a story. And all of them had this kind of heroic, manly thing of going out there and getting fucked up and having an adventure. The trick is, as you reach a certain point of your life where you have responsibility or you wish to create responsibility, is uh, you, you cannot be responsible and be fucked up all the time. It's just impossible. But you can have adventure without being fucked up. You totally can. You can still have a crazy, adventurous, incredible life without being fucked up all the time. In fact... Diddly, diddly, diddly. It can be even more so. Getting fucked up is a great catalyst for adventure. Because, uh, you know, you, abandon comes into the perspective. And, you, you know, you, booze is a hell of a drug. Because, like, booze, you, like... With booze, 
It's not that people become stupid on booze. It's that people don't give a fuck on booze. So you're like, all right, throwing myself off this precipice. I might get injured. But I ain't give a fuck. It'll be fun. So you do that. But anyway, you just, but the, you just work out a way of, of putting that into your life without the intoxicant or whatever. You, it's doable. And also, it's a skill that once you have it, you've got it forever. It's kind of like the whole thing with the psychedelic experience, right? You don't need to trip for your whole life to know that life is trippy. Right? You don't t- have to take acid every day to know that there is more to the experience and be, to be a- of, of being alive and to be able to access it. Once you've done it a few times, if you're paying attention, you can kind of summon it. And uh, that's a superpower that you should develop in the same way that you should integrate your shadow, you should develop the monster side of yourself, all those things. You know, and these are, then these are superpowers that you have to use for the rest of your life. But if you keep taking the magic serum, you'd, there's a, there was an asterisk, I think, where they worked out that they didn't need the magic potion anymore because it was part of their bloodstream or something. It's like, oh, shit, we actually have that now. We don't have to keep taking the potion. We, we've integrated this self as a skill that we now have. So there. Um, questions. I've really not been answering enough of the pre the questions that were provided to me. So let's get through a few very quickly. Grapple Butter. Any chance of more Jocko? Love you, buddy. Grapple Butter, love you. Yes, is the answer to that. Yes. Jocko and I have been discussing an album. He's, um, he's very slow at responding to DMs, but he DM'd me, and then he disappeared for a few weeks. Then he reemerged the other day. So that's happening. Uh, yo, could you do one with Greg Plitt? Love your work. I'm not sure I know who Greg Plitt is, so I will investigate. Thank you. WWW. Alexander Ryan. How much of your current life did you visualize seven years ago? How drastically has your aim changed? Was making music always what you wanted to do? Thanks for all the meaning. This adds to what we were saying earlier. How much of my current life did I visualize seven years ago? Here's, I've done about seven years ago, but a great deal of my current life I visualized when I was seven. This is true. I can't remember anything before six or seven, but I remember being seven and, and knowing I wanted to live in America, knowing I wanted to make music, knowing I wanted a beautiful wife, knowing I wanted to have a, an audience, knowing I wanted to be in the sunshine, all these things are now my, my life. I always knew I wanted to have a cool kid who was just like a little ninja, and I've got one now. He's everything I imagined he would be and more. Um, so a lot of this stuff I always knew. Now, I didn't have a, str- a sort of strong framework around these ideas. I never made a proper plan until very recently. Now I'm making plans, and everything's just materializing very fast. So, the, so I was lucky in that very early on, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I was good at, I knew, and I was, I was brave enough from the beginning to do it without caring what people thought, even though it brought me great pain, even though it meant that people were like, I was literally getting beat up every day. I was getting in fights every day from as young as I can remember, literally as young as I can remember. At one point, my mum had to take me out of school because the whole school one day decided to kick the shit out of me en masse because they thought it would be funny. Um, but, you know, this, this, like I said, this has led to me being very, very resilient, and it's why I'm still here. And it's why I'm able to be doing this stuff right now at this period in my life when many, many other people would have stopped many, many times over. So, yeah, my aim hasn't changed that much. What has changed is my sense of purpose because I had a sense of meaning and purpose that was created by my family, by my wife and child that meant that I really focused what I already knew to be, to be my, what I wanted to materialize in the world to, to create. I was able to laser focus with the help of my wife and child. And, uh, so that's been very useful and I'm very thankful to them. Synapsian says, what do you do when you feel anger 
or hate well up within you? Do you practice Zen meditation? That's a very good question. I don't feel hate like ever by this point. I used to. I don't anymore. I destroyed hate a long time ago. Anger does come up. I, I, I've, I get angry very quickly, and it's something I'm really trying to control. And um, I, have, I haven't got as good at it yet as I need to. One thing I do is I, I, I got this from, um, I think it was Mike Cernovich's Gorilla Mindset book. He uh, has a thing in it about, like, if you pay attention to where you feel anger materialize in your body, and I, do, I feel it sort of coming up in, in my arm, like, physically. So if you do that, if you realize that, then every time you start getting angry, you can focus on that physical aspect, and then that can help to dissipate it. So this is something I'm really trying to get a lot better at right now. Like, this is one of my main areas. So I'm working on that. And I, I will get back to you as I get better. But I'm in no way, like, there on any of this stuff, or even that close. But I am in the ballpark. I'm in the, in the conversation, and I'm in the game. And that's what's important. Synapsian says, if you're a tuning fork that gives that vibration to people around you, what do you tune yourself to as a reference? It's a good question. Um, I like to think of Mr. Rogers, who's just such a beautiful soul, who, like, just thinking about him makes me start welling up because he really, really believed in the potential of humans, for every, every good aspect of the potential of humans he believed in. And, uh, yeah, that makes me very emotional just thinking about it, and I think that's a good thing to carry with you. But at the same time, I, think, I like to think of Jocko. Jocko knows the opposite. Jocko knows the capacity for horror that is in, all, in the hearts of all men. And I think a balance between this is really important right now. So I think of Jocko and, 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 and Fred Rogers. Rust says, Jordan Peterson self-authoring program. Do you have experience of it? What's your opinion? I think it's a really, really good idea, a very necessary thing for people to do. And I've just, I've hardly done any of it. I've done the bit of the past authoring. And that one bit of the past authoring I did was really fucking instrumental in the way I thought of myself and where I was going and where I'd come from. And I'd never thought about that aspect of it. Uh, it's one of these things I need to find time to finish. And uh, time is something I need to work out how to manage better. But I'm very, very, I'm working very, very hard to get all this music out and uh, to stick to my content schedule of releasing at least three times a week. And, and to, to balance, as someone else has asked, how do you juggle music and family? And... Um, this is the hard thing because it's very, very important that uh, you know you, your your family gets you, you and you get your family while you have them. It's a fucking joy and a privilege to have a family. Also, you know the thing with my son. I've been thinking about this. Why part of my motivation with my son and everything is like I can't play with him as much as I'd like to. I play with him pretty much every day, like half an hour, an hour, or whatever. But and he, you know, he's seen me almost like. A, a lot of his life, you know, I was working from home when he was a little kid. I had a shoot, so he saw me every day. I wasn't going out to work all day or whatever. But it's important that his father is self-actualized and inspirational to him. It's important that I'm a person that he can look up to. It's important, it's important that I'm not bitter and twisted and resentful. And a lot of fathers do that. And they, get, they have a kid and then they go and do something they hate to provide. And then the, the result of that is they end up... Uh, resenting their family and their family your family knows when you resent them you can't hide that and you really want to avoid that i really want to avoid that so i really want to be self-actualized and uh someone that my kid looks up to and like did every didn't didn't squander his dreams in his life you know and at the same time i've got to balance working as hard as i can 
with with being there as much as I can. And I haven't got this right yet. Um, this is a thing I'm working on. And this is the thing we're working on together. And we're all in. We're all in. Me and my wife are all in. And Hercules is as all in as he can be as a five-year-old. He's all in. He's a bad little motherfucker. But, you know, we're all in. And it's, you sacrifice a lot go, when, you, when you're all in, when you're working this hard. Like, we haven't had a, had a holiday since our honeymoon, I think. Like, I, I, yeah. Last time we t- I took a week off, I think, was, uh, was then. We don't have a holiday. We don't have weekends. You know, um, we don't, like, yeah, a lot of that stuff. But what we do have is a real sense of purpose, and that's a powerful, powerful thing, you know. And you just see it manifesting, like, on a physical level. On the occasion that I have to log into Facebook, which I really dislike, I hate Facebook, I don't go there. Someone said... Um, Facebook is where your past is and Twitter is where your future is or something. And I think there's a truth in that. But anyway, occasionally I look on Facebook and you see, like, who are these fucked up people? And it's like people you went to school with and you see all the people who look 900 years old are people who have fallen into lives where they're not doing what they've said they were going to do when they were kids or what they wanted to do. Or they're people who've fallen into traps of, of ideological possession. Like, people who are, who are part of this ideological possession of thinking that, like, we live in Nazi Germany or something. They look fucking terrible, man. They look ill. Like, a lot of these people have aged 10 years in two years. You know, it's a really dangerous thing. So, um, while me and my wife work fucking hard, we look fucking good, man. We look, like, we look 20 years younger than some of the people we went to school with. So, there's something to be said for that. There really is. Just on a physical level and how it affects you physically. Um, okay, we're going a bit over time here, and I've got to go in a second. Um, someone was asking about, uh, oh yeah, buying stuff in the shop or something. So, um, yeah, there's a promo code. Let me find out what it is because you're logged in here. So there's a promo code for you to get like 10% off, I believe it is. So let me check that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of dope new shit in the shop. There's new posters, there's hoodies, there's shirts, uh, due to popular demand, you can now get the He's Got Clout shirt that's in there. The He's Got Clout shirt exists. And oh, here you go. So the code for 10% off, and this is active now and it works, <laughs> is the one from a couple of weeks ago, which is Ask Akira June 21, all in caps. And I've put that in the chat room. Ask Akira, all in caps. So there you go. Um, all right, I've got to go in a sec. I should have gone five minutes ago. There was, was there any questions I didn't answer? Oh, yeah. So, Peppers, if you were to change up your appearance... So, Peppers, thank you for getting the questions together, by the way. If you were to change up your appearance, mostly hairstyle and beard style, if that's a word, what would it be? Oh, shit, I don't know. Hairstyle and beards. I like my beard. I've been, this is carefully cultivated over, like, 20 years of slight... Um, I started, like, shaving lines in my beard when I was, like... When I first got one. Do you know what I first did? When I had a certain amount, I, I left home very early, right? I left home when I was just four, four or sixteen. I was working in a pub, and you know, when you're sixteen, you don't have much in the way of like um, facial hair. I had a small amount of it, right? Like bum fluff. I, I used to use mascara, right, on the bum fluff, so my blonde bum fluff would look dark, so it looked like I had a beard. And the small amounts I had, I would shave the edges of them, so it looked like they were deliberately created shapes. Um. <laughs> And then one day I got in an argument with a girl in a pub and she chucked booze on my face and it must have been cheap mascara because the mascara ran. And it destroyed the illusion. (laughs) 
So tell the truth, or at least don't lie. But uh, if I was changing anything about my appearance, like, I'm doing great now. Someone asked about the carnivore diet earlier. I don't know what the question was, but I'm, I'm nearly five months deep into just eating beef. It's going really good. If you just look at pictures of me compared to then, I've got beautiful cheekbones now. I lost all the, all the excess bloating and weight I had. I look fantastic. What I need to do now is start sculpting. I need to go hard and like build up some muscle and shit. So uh, that's what I would like to change, and that's what I'm going to change. Um, yeah, because you know, if, you, if, you, if you're paying attention, you've got all these people that you're, like, you're looking up to the Rogans and Jockos and that of this world. There's only so long you can't really start taking your physical stuff seriously without being a massive internal hypocrite so i've got it i'm going on that one finally uh victor wong says bro your shit is tight as fuck can we get more motivational jr remixes yes you can and the final question in the the pre-done ones sunny ellis says this isn't a question anyway okay i'll answer this because i nearly deleted this comment because it seemed kind of snarky and and um this was on Facebook, obviously. If there's ever a snarky comment, it's on Facebook. My YouTube audience is just beautiful. Sonny Alice Watt says, Are you praising the MCU or shitting on it? Sorry, this is in response to a post in which, for 20K, to celebrate getting 20K, we went to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. Wifey said, you can't go see Ant-Man and the Wasp until you hit 20K on YouTube. We hit 20K, you went to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. It was wonderful. I dropped a post on Facebook saying, it was wonderful, and I liked the first film. This was actually way better. I had a joyful experience watching that movie. Um, and the MCU, I believe, is single-handedly holding up mainstream Hollywood at this point. And uh, I, saw, I read in someone had said that, you know, I want some Hollywood reporter or something, that uh, the reason Solo failed was Star Wars fatigue. Too many Star Wars films. Like, shut, the f- shut up. If there was a Marvel movie every month, we'd all go see it. Because the quality is high. Right? There's lots of reasons. But anyway, so I said that, and someone got seemingly upset in my comments in Facebook and said, what, are you praising the MCU or shitting on it? Obviously praising it. Also, lots of people blame Solo tanking on Star Wars fans not turning up for their franchise, which has now jeopardized the possibility of Obi-Wan, Boba Fett, and other standalone movies. I miss the days when people didn't use to shit all over films because of X amount of reasons unless it was actually terrible. One, it's quite possible the movie was terrible. Two, the previous movie was most people I know, and these are people who don't, aren't invested in any kind of cultural warfare, ideological battle, thought that the second Star Wars movie was terrible. So therefore, if you put out a terrible movie, the next movie that comes along, people are just less likely to go and see. But what's been happening with Star Wars is I've seen this, it's the same with the comics community. Creators of these movies and comics have been actively attacking the fan base and calling them names, calling them nasty, really ugly, nasty things because they thought they didn't like the movies or thought the movies were bad or didn't like really blatant, unpoetic, unsubtle political ideology shoved into the art. I see this said all the time. It's like, oh, comics were always about social justice. What about the early X-Men or whatever? Ding dong, you're wrong. Stanley wasn't inserting really like... um, sort of just blunt, unsubtle, uh, mocking politics. He wasn't, la- he wasn't mocking his audience and going, hey, you're a bunch of this, that, or the other. Yeah, they had big issues and big stories and important things in there. Every Grant Morrison comic, every Stanley comic does. 
But they managed to do it in such a fashion that it worked poetically. It worked as a story. It worked as a metaphor. It wasn't blunt and obvious and boring and snarky, and it wasn't deliberately insulting the audience. Do not insult your audience, and then do not expect people to come and give you money if you repeatedly call them names. It doesn't make any sense. And it's not smart, and it's not clever, it's not useful, it's mean, it's ugly, and it doesn't have a place in art. Not, well, it doesn't have a pay, place in, like, mass media art, in, like, populist art. But, if all, you know, if pop songs were all, like, aiming at half of the country or whatever, this, like, I, it, that's not pop. If you're making pop art, pop art is popular. If you want your shit to be popular, don't insult your audience. But also, like, don't insult your audience. There's nothing smart about thinking you're better than other people and then saying so via a comic book or via a movie or whatever. That's not clever. It, it reflects badly on you and your character, is what it does. And uh, I don't think anyone should be going out and spending money on things of that nature. And hey, here's an example of this. When Sony started putting out those Spider-Man movies, uh, I refused to go see them because it was like, hey, you're obviously just like, you're trying to stop Marvel getting the movie back. You're just making this very fast to keep it out there. The quality is obviously not going to be very good. I really didn't like what they did with this costume. So I was like, yo, I'm not going to see this. I'm not putting my money into this. And I did a video about it and people were like, how could you? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, guess what happened? Those movies kind of didn't do as well as they should have. Spider-Man's now with the Marvel Universe, where people who care about the character can make art with that character in a more respect, in, in a more respectful fashion. Just, I don't know, in a, in a better fashion, in a more beautiful fashion. Right? Does work. You vote with your money. We live, in, we live in a capitalist society. What you do with your money is important. That's where you can, that's where you can protest in an effective way, and it really, really does work. So do that. Do that. Do not support art that mocks you. Do not support art that, uh, that doesn't respect you, motherfucker. Heimendel's Gate, thank you for the super chat, says one of the key things about the IDW is respecting the intelligence of their audience. That's real shit. That's it. That's what it's all about right now. The people who are succeeding are the people who respect the intelligence of their audience, who know they don't have to spoon-feed ideas to them and don't mock them. All right? So there you go. Thank you all for being here. I've been Akira the Don. Thank you, everyone who's looked in live on the stream. Thank you, everyone who's listening on the podcast later on. Thank you, everyone who's listening on the YouTube later on. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I hope that you're as proud as I am. And that's some real shit. Akira. He's got clout. Yeah. All right, we'll be back same time next week, same time, same bat channel. But also, hold tight, because I'm going to be popping up on a live stream on a, on a daily basis. I'm going to start kicking this off just for, just for that daily dawn, daily dawn briefing. So look out for that shit. All right, peace out, you bad motherfuckers. Oh, and Sourcewave Radio will be coming up like two minutes. All right, peace.